Hey there, folks. What do you know? We are back once again. It's that time, the Uticast, episode 142. And this week we are joined once again, for the third time. I don't have a clever name for the third timers club. Uh, Joe Marino, fourth ward councilman, back once again. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, plus, this week we're going to be talking about the results in the video game summit, uh, the potential Obama Netflix series, Scienceology TV, uh, chronological internet history lessons, uh, creepy Alexa, St. Patrick's Day facts, all of this, much, much more. Heather and Kevin are here. We are so happy to have you back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's moving. Now we're like, now we're live casting, casting, or podcasting. You know, it's funny for I listen to a lot of podcasts like, all the time. I love podcasting. I don't know where the name is. It from iPod podcast? I don't Probably. Know, I, I never really figure. I never put two and two together of why they call it a podcast. Yeah, I assume it started with the iPhone, so they just had a pod. I assume now so. Everybody maybe has... look it up in your little history lessons there. Yeah. Look up the history of the word history, podcast. Well, it's only relevant if it happened during this week, right? You know what I'm saying? That's the way the history lessons work. They're timely to the, the week in history. So if this was the week that... Well, so then which week? I gotta find out when oh, iTunes see. invented podcasts, I suppose. Uh, welcome back, folks, to Utica's premier podcast, A number one, uh, Uticast, episode 142. And Joe Marino, fourth ward councilman, is back for his third time. Uh, a member of the, we don't have a name, a funny name for the, the three-timers club. The two-timers club is the name because I think it's funny because of the dual meaning, right? Yes. But uh, there's not a clever name for the three-timers. I feel like it stops being clever if you come up with a name for every level. So maybe like next we have two-timers, then maybe next whoever comes on for the fifth time. Come up with a club for that. Yeah. I think there's got to be. have a club for every number. Yeah. I think you got to pick a number that's not one of the typical numbers. Like I, The no. next thing we celebrate is like six. When you've been on the show six times. Ooh. Who's a famous number six? We could. Who's like a famous sports number six? I'm trying to think of somebody off the top of my head. I'm doing bad. I'm a bad. Yeah, <laughs> bad. Don't look at I don't know. All I know is Thomas characters from Thomas the Train. Thomas, yes. The Thomas the Tank That's Engine Award for Uncanny Valley <laughs> faces on children's programming. I suppose if you had to, you'd call it like the Joe Torrey Awards. The Joe Torrey. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The Joe really player, but the Joe Torrey. better sometimes. Coaching and Hustle Award for being on the show six times. We appreciate it. That'll be the hustle next Hustle and Leadership Award. <laughs> hustle and Leadership Award. Um, so yeah, welcome back, folks. One forty-two. Uh, so, couple things, <laughs> but first, you know what? I'm gonna start with you guys today because my my shtick is always my shtick. Uh, normally, I I have something to yell at you guys about, but I'm gonna ask you guys Do a you? question. Well, you've yell never at? yelled at me. I usually yell and scream, just not at you, just in the general vicinity of both of you. I just yell at the world while you guys are around me. <laughs> All right, do your non-stick yeah. stick. Um, so. Give me, uh, what's like the premier thing that's been on your mind this week? Like, what's been driving your thought process this week? Like, what's on your mind, your big driving thought and goal of the week? Mine would just be a, a personal project I'm working on. 
Oh, you're working on a personal project. Mm-hmm. Is it an unnamed personal project you it's can't talk about? It's just a business I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So we're getting ready to launch soon. So that's like something I'm working on. How do you... Okay. I feel like when I am doing like schoolwork and stuff, I feel like I ends up taking a backseat sometimes to like my job. Right? Like I'll be at work at the office and I want to get something done, but like my other parts of my job job come mm-hmm. into it. Do you have that problem with like... Yeah, my son's like my a, full-time yeah, job. That's what I mean. I have to like, like pay someone to watch them twice a week just so I can get... This one does. That's what I mean. You have to start ramping up and you're getting ready for a business yeah. thing. You have to like hire a babysitter yeah, to come over so you can do I hire, Yeah, we pay someone twice a week to watch them just so I can work on it. Mm. <laughs> Is that why you're always so like stressed out and tired? Do you have no sleep? Yeah, I don't sleep. No sleep. No That's sleep. Fair. Good. I'm going to keep that in mind for the next segment. Kev, what about you? What's been on your mind this week? Uh, low-flying existential dread. Always. Uh, <laughs> Isn't I mean, that kind of... Always. <laughs> Not, uh, I don't know. Work. A lot of work stuff. Work is ramping up. Summer is coming fast and it is going to be brutal. For your friends in the outdoor event industry that where I work at, do you feel like it's gonna be more brutal than? It's gonna normal? be a busy summer. Yeah, it's gonna be a busy summer with. Uh, we've got some interesting changes to sort of adopt for and figure out, and it's just you can feel that certain time of the year where it becomes. Do you, you like you can feel it starting to pick up steam? Like it's coming. Mm. You know what I mean? Just thinking about stuff. You know, filing paperwork and talking to people and doing things to get the building blocks in place to start summer has begun, and once it starts, it's a, a dead sprint until. Mm. Christmas. Why did you have to say dead sprint? No. Why did you have to say it like that? Because so I, you know, because you can join everybody for the forty first annual Boilermaker yeah, I know. party. Yeah, I, know, I know. I know. Out in the back lot, down with your friend Sarah. Oh, I know that, That's but I got. Go down there. And I got a little bit. My preferred register like form in the mail this week that oh, I came you in. Doing it? No, oh, I'm having. Well, you said. Reoccurring long-term existential dread. I don't know. We'll see how I feel by the. Wait, you register by mail? No, no, no. They. That's <laughs> because so... he doesn't get in the mail. I'm just. No, no, no. no, no. He's so never the, actually the been in the race. He prints no. out his own bib. He's I... sending mails. It's actually just deep fakes. All the pictures of me that are out there. Okay. They just take a million pictures of my face and they put it on Cliff's body nice. instead when he's out there running the race. Uh, no, I every year I have the same thing. I get the registration for people who ran the year before, mm. and I go. I'm not doing this this year. I don't want to, don't want to do this this year. Uh, this year, I'm actually very much thinking I'm just going to do the 5K. My back is really bothering me. My knees are bothering me. But I don't want to not do anything, right? But I feel like if I'm going to do the 5K... Is the argument if you fight your way into 15K shape, those back and knee woes will be in your dust? Yeah, they're gonna, no. your knees are going to hurt. No, no. Well, that's just not do, how that works. Just do You're the going running. Thing. Just do it. The fi- don't do the 5K. Don't do the 5K. Do what the You're Boilermaker is all about. The Boilermaker. Do the bo- if you're going to do the Boilermaker, do the Boilermaker. See, me and Heather insistently, as neither of us are neither running. Neither you want to do it. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm yeah. not running it anymore. I'm done. I retired. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, good. I'm glad that you uh, can mock me from a distance then on the sidelines and laugh at me. Well. With You hold your child and wave yeah, as I come by. Sweaty. You did. It we was did very nice, year. actually. Um so a couple things I want to say real quick before we have our time. There's no major news this week. Like, there was obviously major news in the world well, this week. Major news. Yeah. But uh, I had a hard time coming up with like uh, a number one story for this week. So just say a number one some more. A number like, one story. <laughs> the big guy. A number story one. Itself. Uh, so a couple. <laughs> uh, so uh, it is. What is it? The tenth, the eleventh? I think what? by the time this comes out, it is it? Oh, is it three eleven day today? No, it's the twelfth. Oh you well, that. I missed Monday today day. is the twelfth. I think. Mm. You don't even check. know. I don't know what day of the week it is. It is the 12th. I do know. Thank you, Heather. You didn't at first. You had to check your food. Well, either you way. Sure. Was I right or wrong? You're right. 
You loud. No. <laughs> you folks on Twitter or Facebook may have seen me talking about it this morning, but you have until March 15th, folks, if you'd like to join this year's inaugural Uticast Tournament 2018 for your March Madness NCAA Basketball Tournament Pick'em. That right. sounds like a great deal. Does that cost you any money to get in on? No, it does not cost so you any money. Free. It's free. You do get prizes. You get sweet, <laughs> sweet merchandise from our friends at Maiden Utica. Now, I get it. Some of you people already have Maiden Utica swag. We'll find out what you have. We'll get you something you don't have. How's that sound? I'll get you anything you want that belongs to Justin. <laughs> <laughs> hey. the prize. I want those pants the that have like a galaxy RV. on them or something. I bought him. Uh, it was his birthday this week. The winner week. gets an RV. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the winner gets his <laughs> no, RV. No, keep it. Keep it. <laughs> so let me just uh, let me throw this out here, folks, who actually are interested in joining. Um, we had some people today. Got excited. I'm real excited about it. Uh, go to the Twitter page or our Facebook page. Uh, there's a link. Uh, from the post I put on each page, or you can just go to Yahoo Fantasy uh, Tournament Pick'em if you want to be a masochist about it and type in the group ID 90880. Although, if you want, again, just go to Twitter. You can look at the link, press it, and it'll bring you right to where you need to be. Uh, See if you are better at picking teams based on random things like mascots and numbers than your pals at the Uticast and Maiden Utica. Gotta do it by March 15th, though. So, time... Is of the essence. I'd like to see 900 people signed up for this thing. We have, we have nine, so we need... <laughs> oh, Almost there. I'm getting there. It's only been like three hours. I might do fair, it this so. year. Just you want to do it? I Let's do, I do football one. every year. Can I tell you a dirty little secret? You would have just as much uh, knowledge about it as I would. Okay. Like, outside if of Syracuse. I'm going to do it, then anybody can do it. Outside of Syracuse. I know zero about basketball. I can name like two teams. Uh, name them. What are the two teams you know? Um, the Lakers. There's one. I don't know. The Knicks. Oh, the Knicks. Yeah, hey, the Knicks, there you yeah. go. The only two I, I teams. I can't think. Uh, no. no. You think the Lakers got a chance in the tournament this no. year? <laughs> I don't no. Think so, I don't think so. Either. Either. No. Um, <laughs> if it feels like uh, we're all a bit behind, we'll step behind today, that's because we're not going to do a whole bit about it, but it is daylight saving time. Daylight saving time. Yeah, it's not right up. Yeah, it's awful. Can I tell you what's funny about it? Normally, uh, I'm aware of this. Uh, I didn't realize this year until I went out to my car this morning, and I'm like, am I late? It's so bright out. Look how bright it is. It's so bright outside today. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, It does make me feel... I am a little off today, though. I feel it. I feel like I'm behind. Um, I didn't get enough sleep last night. This is a common The time feels strange. It feels like it's 5 o'clock right now, but it's about 7. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it feels like yeah. it's a two-hour jump for some reason. And don't have a kid because they're on a sleep schedule and their sleep schedule is all... They do not care about the farmers. No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'm going to give you a couple things. You ever hear any people use any of these phrases to you, like, very seriously, like, the early bird catches the worm? You ever had say that yes. to you? Uh, how about Grand. early to bed, early to rise? And then the oh, whole... Yeah. yeah, you like that one? What about when someone's real indignant to you and they're like, oh, oh, oh Miss Heathers, uh, nice of you to join us today. Nice. Oh, yeah, I get that a lot because I'm late for everything. Are you late for everything? Yeah, I get that. Uh, you might not be alone, though. This is, a lot of people, it seems like, are late for everything, it seems like. And uh, it might be more than just people being lazy, right? It might be something to do with your genetics. We've been trying to tell y'all. Yeah, we're trying to tell everybody. <laughs> uh, so most people, uh, ac- according to some research that came out in 2016, most people, about 50 to 60 percent, uh, prefer to sleep from around 11 p.m. till 7 a.m. Right? That's about right. But about 40 percent of the population doesn't actually fit into that uh, that schedule. The traits are determined by genetics and are extremely hard to change. Uh, and apparently, if you attempt to fight against your genetics about this, it's very bad for your health. 
So there's like a lot of pseudo like uh, claims about there about how we should start like uh, getting our jobs and stuff on schedules that relate to our sleep patterns. Do you think this is a real thing or do you think it's just science for lazy people? When no. they say it's unhealthy for you, it's funny because every time I try to be early, I get really tense and upset and frustrated because I'm like, Zach, we got to go. We got to be there at six o'clock. We're going to be there on time. And it's like a fight every time or it's like me frustrated. Where if I'm late, I'm like, whatever. It's okay. Mm. For my health. I think there's definitely something to it that different people are more comfortable with different like times and rhythms and things like that. Like I've always been somebody who like I like to stay up later, I like to sleep later. Um I've never been much of like a real big morning person and I can tell when I'm forcing myself into a different schedule, I don't hit that long term adaptation like a lot of people do. Like you say the eleven to seven when I yeah. be, you know, probably more of like a I'd rather go like one to ten or something like that, or one to nine. Um, I don't feel it like it's not when I get on like an 11 to 7 I don't feel better it still feels like you're fighting against constantly the current so I can understand that feeling I feel like I live in this world where I don't ever want to go to sleep I'd like to stay awake late but I also like to get up early because I like to be awake in. so I just would like to not have to sleep right like that would be the move right if I could just not sleep but to be to be I think at the end of the day I would almost prefer to get up earlier Right, like I would prefer to the, at the end of the day, like if it was just me by myself, I'd probably get up earlier and go to sleep way earlier as I well. I like that. I like getting mm-hmm. up earlier. There's something about getting. I like getting up in the morning when there's no one else around and there's no one else awake. It's mm-hmm. kind of nice. That doesn't happen as often as I like these days. Um, true, but it's true. I, I just think this is funny because this seems like the kind of thing that I would try and pitch to a teacher in school <laughs> for why I was late. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I have a condition at, where I <laughs> sleep until right 10 a.m. Look, I have a doctor's note, <laughs> right? Um, I've read about this with kids though. Like, with a lot of they say that like most teenagers and stuff have a different like uh, circadian rhythm than uh, than adults do, and that's why when you get kids and like. First and second period, they're always, like, half asleep and don't want to be there. Yeah. And I always have to, like, get these kids, like, excited. I'm like, come on, it's early in the morning, why are you asleep? And they're like, I hate you. <laughs> so, so, so much. Um, we talked about the video game summit last week. Uh, did you guys read anything else about the, the outcome of the video game summit? Only bits and pieces. It sounded uh, <laughs> nonsensical, half-baked, incoherent. <laughs> From what I gather, they showed a highlight reel. Like they, they put it out on YouTube. Oh, I didn't it's see it. It's on YouTube. It's readily available to I be watched. I will watch it later. Dude, it's all graphic gore and violence from video games. Perfect. Just the nonstop clip. Make sure you show your child. I will. <laughs> I will show it to him. So, um, I, I, when I was in college in New York, I was in Hunter College. I took I had to take women's studies and gender studies like as part of my mm-hmm. uh, history curriculum, right? <laughs> And as you guys know on this show, I am a well-documented wrestling fan. I love professional wrestling going back to the 90s, right? And I remember going into class one day, and we watched a video, which was just a 45-minute compilation slash hit piece on the WWE about all the ways that they have, like, treated women poorly over, like, 50 years, right? And nothing that they did in the video was incur- like was was right. It was all terrible stuff. Like and the video pointed out some really terrible things. But I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, am I gonna be the ha- am I gonna raise my hand in this room 
and be the guy who says, all right, can I just stand up for wrestling here? In this? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to be that guy because I understood the point of it, right? Yeah. And I, I sort of feel the same way about this because I watched the highlight reel. And even when I play video games, sometimes I play Fallout, which is one of the games that's on the reel. It's super violent, right? It's mm-hmm. Even for me, as like an adult, I'm like, this is pretty violent, right? It probably doesn't need to be so violent. Um, there is part of me that, that like, feels... But are they rated? That's a great point. I mean, then I don't under—I don't think it's a big deal then. Right, and that's a great point. Movies. What I'm saying here is this: like the video, the highlight really showed them is like a cherry picking of some of the worst, most violent things you could put in video games. Right? Mm -hmm. I could make a like a list of video games for somebody that's just like three seconds of Pac-Man, right? And they're like, oh, look at this, see? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> look at all. There's what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Do you know what I mean? Um, so, I also think, though, that it's hard to take down video games. They're a big business. They say that 60% of all households in America have at least somebody who plays video games in the household. Does that count these goons uh, sending Candy Crush invites? Are those, are those, those still are, happening? Is that a thing, Candy Crush? Uh, people are, yes, yes, people are still playing mobile games on their phones. I don't know. I used yes. to I don't know if it's Candy Crush specifically, <laughs> but I'm sure these folks are out here. I like the Candy... <laughs> well, I like the Candy Crush as the go-to example because I think that Candy Crush... When I was living in New York, you'd look down on the, like, the subway and literally every person who had their phone on was playing, playing Candy, Candy Crush. Crush. Now, then it was what, Pokemon Go? That was the last like game My that everyone's playing. My husband still plays it. So him. annoying. Is he like in Everywhere public? Everywhere we go, and yeah, in public. Has he not caught them all? <laughs> apparently, apparently, you go back to the state place and you catch more again. It's really different ones. Different ones. Different we were in ones Syracuse yesterday. You thought he was in Disneyland. There were so many like different things he was catching. I that was the reason I stopped doing it because I didn't like being at Utica College like an idiot flicking my phone like I don't think I caught this Charizard. What the hell's going on, kid? Show me how to do this. Like no. you're weird. No, it is weird. Um. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, it's weird. <laughs> I don't find that to be video gaming, by the way. And that's like a real hard nerd stance. Like, I need a controller in my hand. I don't like to touch a screen. It's not the same sensation. So, when you say controller, does that come for, like, these folks with the keyboard and the mouse? The, the PC no. gamers? No, oh, oh, no. Let me tell you something about PC gaming, my friend. That's a whole different, deeper subculture that I'm into. That's like, um, that's like, if, if playing console gaming is like being a Harry Potter fan, uh, PC gaming is like being a Lord of the Rings fan. They look down, you're like, yeah, okay. Oh, enjoy your muggles, right? Whatever it is, like, it's the only Harry Potter reference I have. Kind of oh, yeah, whatever. I'm, so, I'm, I'm out of here. All right, I'm lost. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, Good idea. Move on. Video Summit. Uh, did you guys see that the Obamas are in talks with Netflix? They're going to potentially have some sort of Netflix program. I did see that. Um, I don't know if they've made any announcement on what kind of show it would be. What kind of show do you guys want to see the Obamas do? <laughs> yeah. uh, I want to see them play themselves on House of Cards. Slide them right in, <laughs> but make everything just absolutely nuts. <laughs> and have them go. Like, have have Barack run against Mrs. Underwood. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Are they, like, doing a reality? Like, they want to do a reality? They haven't really released anything. I wish anything. I could just see Obama's reaction to all of Trump's things that he says. <laughs> like, just every oh. time he blames him for something, he's just shaking his head, or what is he doing every time? So you want, like, a, like a show, like, Shit My President Says, where he just sits in front of the news, I just like, know his what is this? Every time I, I just want them... I just want to see. I want them to play themselves on other shows. I said House of Cards, uh-huh, but now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, I want them to appear on everything as themselves. <laughs> just they just as do Stranger a special things. guest in so everything. You get them in, yeah. Roseanne, I mean, put whatever. Them in. Black Mirror, like put them on everything that's on there. Yeah, 
I would like to see them on Stranger Things as the younger versions of themselves from the 80s, oh, that's right? that's a good one. Arrested Development? Yeah. Oh, man. One. Hey, there's always money in the banana stand. Uh, so I had, what I did is I basically took the three shows that I watched the most on Netflix and tried to insert the Obamas into them somehow. One of them was like a mystery science theater show. I was just going to yeah. stop you because that came to my head. And I was like, they should just run back commentary on all the Fox News during yes. his tenure. That's great. <laughs> Pretty good. That's idea. a good one. Or I said my other alternate idea was have the whole Obama family. So like Barack and Michelle and uh, Sasha and Malia watch like family movies together and then Barack just makes dad jokes for like two hours while everyone rolls their eyes Should make a multi-cam sitcom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, the other one is like an Anthony Bourdain style Parts Unknown show where Barack yeah, and... That would be really cool. Yeah, we're, Some we're, sort of travel yeah, show. Yeah, Michelle and Barack just coast around Europe doing the, the posts. Just, <laughs> just, just flexing. Yeah, just because I'm... Unreal degree. Just because I'd want to watch them live in their best lives and live vicariously through them. Yeah. And, and then the last one was... Just because I watch The Office more than anything else on Netflix, is just do uh, like a version of The Office where it's the Oval Office where Obama just looks at the camera and shakes his head a lot. That's the other. I, what if what if they got a road trip show with Obama and Biden and they just went around in an RV experiencing different parts of yes, American culture yes. and talking to folks? Should, oh man, getting into hijinks. They should do drunk history. Drunk history. <laughs> Michelle should do it. Um, we already went 20 minutes, so I won't go too long into it. Uh, I want to apologize to you, Heather, though. Uh, last week, after we did the show, I showed you the John Oliver episode about NRA TV. I don't know if anyone else <laughs> watched it. It's great. It, and you ended up going home and watching, like, a whole bunch of NRA TV on YouTube. What did you think of it, by the way, after you went into your independent I research? I this, re- this is really, that was really happening. I thought, it, it's like one of those, like, SNL things where they're... Make, make, making fun of something or a TV show. It seemed like it wasn't real. It was, but watch it because I'm not. Don't watch it for liking it. Just watch it because it's funny. <laughs> well, after realizing how easy it is for uh, companies like the other companies, like for people like the NRA to do this, uh, Scientology has decided that they are getting in on the game. Uh, Hollywood Reporter record, <laughs> reported today uh, they're going to launch a TV network on March 12th. That's today, folks. Uh, Direct TV, Apple TV, Roku. Why are DirecTV, Apple TV, and Roku like letting them do it? Is it just money? Money, money it's right? Money. It's money. Like money. I feel like, come on, you what? guys could no. do better than this. You could money, though. Money. No, I know they're getting paid. No. Uh, it's not immediately clear what the new network will air, or if any of it, uh, any of its group's famous members will be involved. I'm gonna guess not. <laughs> I'm gonna assume that like Tom Cruise is not popping up. <laughs> no, no, me. Um, it does say that there is probably going to be a vehicle for noted scumbag Danny Masterson. And uh, it does say that there's probably going to be a show, which sounds fascinating, which is confronting former Scientology members who have denounced the organization. Which is only interesting because I don't think they have the cojones to I'd do like, it. I'd, I'd love to see a show shot from their angle where they're going out after, like, suppressive persons. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's your problem with Xenu, man? Do you not believe in the Thetans? What's wrong with the Thetans? All right, I'm going to move. Okay, <laughs> also, I like this quote. Scientology TV says it'll have, quote, full episodes of your favorite shows, unquote. Like what? <laughs> what are, like, notorious Scientology shows? <laughs> like, just The Handmaid's Tale, I suppose, right? I don't know. <laughs> it is true. Like, what are they going to put on there? I feel like if I'm Leah Remini, I'm kind of bummed out right now because I'm the level of celebrity where they would come to me for the NRA TV show. 
or not the NRA, the Scientology. <laughs> it's all Scientology. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all. One of the crazy television networks. I feel like they're not going to get Tom Cruise. They could have got her, but now she's out. Uh, I feel like she's probably the biggest loser in all this because they are going to come down on her so hard on this on this channel, the Scientology. But Scientology I, TV is just going to be the anti-Leah Remini channel. But it's almost it's similar to almost like a, like a Fox News in a way where if you're only preaching to the converted, you know what I mean, then like it's not really... They can come down on her as hard as they want, but what can they actually do? Nothing. Great point. Nothing. Uh, no, they kill people. They're scumbags. You'll watch Getting Clear. That's what they cleared. do on the show. They yeah, don't yeah. kill people. You watch them. They're wild. They're not killing <laughs> they're, they're wild folks out there. All right, uh, so let's get to this week's interview. Again, a lot of weird B stories this week. Wild week for news. Uh, however, this week's interview uh, is not a B interview. It is a top, top class interview uh, with a man who's been here three times. Guy I love talking to, uh, much like every time he comes in. I had a whole list of stuff I wanted to talk to Fourth Ward Councilman Joe Marino about. And in typical fashion, we just started riffing and talking back and forth. And we touched on some of the things. We didn't touch on others. I do have two very important notes before we get into the interview. Number one, uh, for the first, I want to say, 30 to 45 seconds of the interview, the microphone clipped out. So the sound quality is crummy for the first 40 seconds. I was going to edit it out, but it was a nice point he was making about his friend Anthony Brindisi, and I wanted to leave it on. So I left it on even with the bad sound quality. So ignore the bad sound quality for 45 seconds. It gets better. Also, uh, we did talk a lot about uh, the shooting, the college shooting that happened uh, it was a couple days well, after the, the shooting. Oh well, the the threats, right? Yeah. Uh, we talked about it at the time, uh, and it was on a Tuesday after that it happened. So since time has passed, some of the information on it has changed, and you know you can amend the information you have now to what we talked about then. But we did not have current information, then. so some of that stuff is going to sound a little bit behind. But that's because we taped it on Tuesday. That's when he was available. That's fine. It's always happy to have Joe Marino. So let's get to this week's interview. We'll be right back. when I know it won't come on to like a week from now. So I figured we're going to talk about stuff and then it's not going to be relevant. <laughs> no, I listen, first, thank you for having me back. It's always a I mean, I love to be back. It's my third time. I've yeah. got my second time trophy. Can I tell you that when Mike Galimi was on here last week, yeah. he was his second time on and I didn't even have a second time trophy for him. I am out of trophies. Oh. I have to go to the store. <laughs> listen, I am not sharing mine if that's what you're soliciting no. me for. No, 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 don't yeah. share Mine is kept very well next to my kids' baseball trophies. I take it as my own. Uh, it has been too long, I have to be honest. And I think the last time I heard from you was over the phone when your pal, Samuel uh, Berdisky, was here a few weeks ago. Oh, I and called he, him. That's right. <laughs> you called him when he was here. That's right. I called him. Yeah. Uh, I know you guys are you guys know each other for a long time. Sure. Uh, now that he's sort of caught up with this this race, do you feel like you see less of him? Do you see more of him? <laughs> no. You know what's good about Anthony is that. You know what I I've known him a long time. Mm. He never changes. No, he's always great. Isn't he? He's, he's always the same. He's always available. He's always present. 
um, no matter what position. Look, I mean, before we even got involved in politics at all, he was running for the school board. That was his first foray into politics. Right. And I can tell you directly that, um, look, he's had a lot more meetings and he's at a lot, uh, you know, different places because his district would be a lot bigger. But no, we're, you know, fish fry on Fridays when we can yeah. get the families together as usual. No, he never changes. And he takes that into his political life as well and his policy life. So, uh, you know, outside of being friends, we actually do agree on a lot of things. And I do believe in him uh, as a candidate because of that, because he doesn't change. Oh, I, you know, and I think that's, and I got, I get a little bit of flack sometimes for. Uh... Yeah, I get a little flack sometimes because I've had him on the show so many times. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, and from my perspective, it's always been like, well, you know, not for nothing. If he gets into Congress, I can tell people I had a congressman on my show multiple times. But yeah, also, that's one thing. you know, not for nothing, like, you know, we've jokingly asked Claudia Tenney on the show many times. She's never coming. Yeah, right. right yeah. But Brit, what I liked about Anthony is every time, even when I found out he was running, mm-hmm. he never was like, I don't have time to come talk to you. He's like, I'll be happy to come talk to you yeah. anytime. And I think that's a, a good example of what it's like to actually want to talk to your constituents and be around them. And I don't want to beat that whole thing into the ground. but No, yeah, he does, uh, you know, he does like to kind of delineate himself mm-hmm. from, uh, you know, certain people, we'll say, yeah, that, that don't like that kind of communication. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, look, he's, a, like I said, that's what you th- I think that this whole government started from. It started from farmers, people that were in the community that just wanted to help the yeah. government move along. And it was never about career politicians. It was never about people that just made their living off the government teat. Mm-hmm. It was strictly about just being a regular citizen and doing that. And Anthony kind of is like a throwback to millennia ago. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? So, um, you know, that's how he and I have interacted, and I think that mm-hmm. we gravitate towards people that are like that as well. Sure. And, you know, I mean, look, if you're saying no to an organization and a group of, uh, you know, young, invested uh, citizens and people of our region, if you're saying no to that, you're genuinely saying no by way of osmosis to yeah. everyone. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, look, it, you know, he better be here, and if he's not, I'll show up in his place and I'll just get a fourth time trophy or a fifth. <laughs> and I will once again come out on top of Assemblyman, soon to be Congressman Brindisi. It'd be my pleasure. And of course, folks, we're talking to Fourth Ward Councilman, Assemblyman Joe Marino. Uh, you've been on the show for many times. And I always appreciate you as well coming on and being so open about things. And one of the things I've really enjoyed about um, and it's funny, when I started doing this show, I never really wanted it to be a politics show. You know, I didn't mind talking about local politics, local sure. issues. And then for a, a period of time when, like, the Trump thing happened, the show kind of got overwhelmed by, like, how angry Kevin and I were. And, As it does. And I, th- and I think that for a while I, I've had to sort of pull back from that. Uh, what I've liked about talking with local politicians, especially, is there's a little more... I feel like you actually get conversations. Like, even last night when Mike was here, when mm-hmm. uh, Mike, Mike Lemie was here, yeah. you know, I, I've known Mike for many years. Mike is a registered Republican, I'm a registered Democrat, mm-hmm. and yet somehow we had conversation that didn't end up with us, like, hating each other's yeah, guts right, at the yeah, end, yeah, right? figure, I know. And whereas I feel like that only happens at these local levels where you are working in such a small community and everything makes a difference, you can sort of look past the things you don't necessarily agree on to work sure. for the greater good. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, I, I got all off track talking no, no, to you. No, okay, <laughs> no, look, they say all politics is local, right? Yeah. So... You know, even your Congress people or your senators, mm. they're all from a home region. Um, but, uh, you know, again, and, and you, you say that, you know, I you're, appreciate my candor and mm. my ability, you know. Look, I don't, and I think I've said that on, on here before, I don't want to be a politician if I can't be me. 
correct, right? Yeah. So if I say something that perhaps someone doesn't agree with, I'm glad to debate them. I'm glad to listen, and perhaps I'll change my mind. But if I choose, uh, you know, a populist stance just because I need to get elected, that's right. when you start getting away from the things that Anthony isn't, right? So if Brindisi isn't elected, he'll become a lawyer, and he'll right. genuinely make more money. Or perhaps Mike Galimi is a computer, uh, you know, tech yeah, engineer guy, too. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, he doesn't need this uh, to be his livelihood. Right. I'm the same. I'm an accountant with a great job. I don't need that. So what we do want is to want it, yeah. and that's the thing that separates. And, you know, more locally, when you get to... Uh, not to disparage anyone of of an older generation, but it seems to be older generational politics in this city mm. is, you know, it's really parochial. It's really, you know, boys, uh, good old boys club, and yeah. that's too bad. You know, it's interesting you say that, and because it's a conversation that I got into on last week's episode, and I get into with uh, with Mr. Parkinson from Maiden Utica all the time. Mm. Utica has a reputation, going back to the 70s and the 60s and whatever, of being sort of a handshake deal city, right? right? Like it's, and I think that whenever the general public in the population of the cities feels that pull somewhere, mm-hmm. whether it's right or wrong, whether they're correct or not, sure, it draws them back into like this, oh, same old Utica, same old like backroom politics, like, and that's probably a, a detriment to us going forward because we have this mentality like no one's watching our back, right? Yeah, listen, I, you know, that's a wonderful observation, mm-hmm. and I actually live it. Yeah. Right? So the problem is twofold. The politicians, actually, some of them Mm. do subscribe to that old mentality. They think that that's the way to get things done Mm -hmm. is to go in a back alley somewhere. Um, You know, and me personally, I, you know, I was challenged by an old Democratic, uh, you know, incumbent this year that, you know, again, I was, I refused to get into the weeds. I refused to get Mm -hmm. into the mud. And, and people are, are getting disgusted Mm -hmm. with that. So what you see before, maybe even five, six, seven years ago, was people go, here we go again, and, you know, you're lying. But now it's kind of in a gray area where the citizens have been browbeaten so much by bad news, by, you know, deals pulled off the table, by that old backroom politics stuff, that now we're kind of getting into an area where they're not going to take it anymore. They're going to run candidates that are a little bit more progressive. They're going to run people that are more honest and open and transparent. So those kind of things... It is a good observation because they do get, you know, the citizenry has been attacked. I think that to, at a national level, on both a national level and a local level, I think voters in general are a little bit smarter. I mean, smarter is not the wrong word, but they're a little more engaged engaged Mm -hmm. in the process now, right, than they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I think that sort of forces people to be on their toes. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about the Utica College thing in a minute, but... You know, the conversation about guns in this country goes in cycles, right? Something will happen, we'll talk about it for a couple days, and then it'll be gone. Right. Yet, after this Parkland shooting, we are almost two weeks, three weeks away now, we're still talking about it pretty Mm -hmm. regularly. And the difference is that the students and the young people who are affected by this are refusing to let the issue just die the way it is. This one feels different. Yeah, this one feels different. Mm -hmm. And again, I think it's the same kind of thing. This group of people is more prepared and they're not ready to just let nothing happen and that's what it just happened in the past you mm-hmm. talk about it and i think that's good right it's you get worried i get worried sometimes that we talk about these kind of things too much we give it too much credence but maybe we're not giving it enough talking you know talking points maybe we sure. should be bringing it up all the time yeah perhaps i mean you know i think that this you know that's why i use the word engaged i think that this generation now and the generations oh, yeah. before and coming or the generations after that are coming up I think that they almost have no choice but to be engaged, right? You got Twitter, 
Facebook, Instagram, mm. uh, you know, Snapchat, every all the social media keeps yeah. you involved. So I like to, you know, when I debate, um, and I'm a Democrat as well, mm. when I debate a hardcore Republican uh, on mm. Trump, um, I, I like to try to think that I divorce myself from the rhetoric of the right. Republican-Democrat thing and find out what their actual point is, and that's the way that I try to get in mm. touch with people. So they'll always say, well, look at the economy. Look at the trade deals that are mm. coming up. Look at, okay, those are fair points that I... But the guy is a lunatic yeah. because I know about it. Perhaps <laughs> Teddy Roosevelt was a lunatic, but he didn't have Twitter. So, yes. you know, I, yeah, Teddy yeah, yeah. Roosevelt was a wonderful president. That's a phenomenal point you make, I, You know, I, I just don't yeah. like to know how crazy this guy is, and he chooses yeah. to let me know every day. So I can almost understand the decent policies, but it's just it's unforgivable the amount of uh, rhetoric. Well, what cracks me up, and it's a great point you make, because I think about with everything else, right, you have this Utica College thing yesterday. Yeah. And for all intents and purposes, the school went on lockdown. There there was a real incredible threat. I'm not denying that. I think, but from what I'm... I think they apprehended somebody and no one was hurt. No, they, didn't, they did not apprehend somebody at this moment? Well, I mean, right now, you know, we're in an ongoing investigation. Sure. So it, was, sure. it happened yesterday. Mm. Um, so right now we're in an ongoing investigation. And what the circumstance was, was there was multiple calls given to the school. Multiple calls, yeah. And they were from inside the school mm. in regards to someone else. And the calls were, we believe, to be unrelated. So in other words, mm. some guy that doesn't even know that other person called about the same issue. Mm, so it's not okay. like they were friends. Right, and right, right. So it became an issue that we, you know, rightfully, and the police department did a wonderful job yes, doing it. They, they took it very seriously. Mm-hmm. What you'll see now, though, is that we have gotten calls in the police department that have been copycat calls that kids just don't want to go take a test that day. Yeah. And they know that the school's going to be shut down, so they will call in a threat. Yeah. And not to say that that it's, happened here, but it's it's looking more and more a little on our end like, you yeah. know, we, we have to make sure that these things are verifiable, but you can't take that chance. Right, and it's a, it's a dangerous time to do that because you look at this Parkland thing and there's this kid and people are like, oh, we knew about this. Why didn't we do anything? Mm-hmm. And now you go to the other side of it. It's like we have to do something even if it's not necessarily something we should be doing anything about. Correct. <laughs> right. But what our, our obligation is, though, now, and right. we've been dealing with the DA, mm. is when it is a credible threat, we will react. When it is an incredible threat or a not-so-credible threat, we will react just the same. But if... You know, once we get down to the nitty gritty and we find mm. out who is making these calls and who is threatening these mm. schools, to whatever extent that they have participated, they will be prosecuted to mm. the fullest extent of the law because we have to make an example exactly. out of these Correct. false claims. Correct. And, you know, again, our investigation is ongoing currently, and I'm not saying that this one was false, but we put a lot of energy and resources into a possibility. And, you know, it is again a reaction to the, co- the country's climate. Mm. Um, so, our police department reacted swiftly. The school, mm-hmm. uh, Utica College, did a tremendous job yeah. at getting everything locked down. It's a huge campus. Yeah, I was very concerned for a lot of my coworkers <laughs> yesterday. I got a lot of phone calls. I'm a because I'm a current grad student there, but I don't. My office is not there, so sure. during the day, I got a lot of contacts with people. Sure, very concerned, and uh, you know, it's it's one of those kind of things that I remember reading this Calvin Hobbes comic book when I was a kid, where Calvin. Calvin's house gets broken into, and the parents talking about it, and the mom says to the father, "This seems like the kind of thing that happens to somebody else." And the father says to the mother, "Well, we're all somebody else to somebody else." And it's a you good know, point. it's it, I, I think about that all the time. Yeah. And with this thing, I I was shocked yesterday that like the Washington Post yeah. and the Fox News are covering this. I'm like, it's so it just seems super surreal to me. And we've had many debates on this show about 
guns. I'm pretty... I wouldn't call myself anti-gun. I grew up with hunters and guns around the house for me, but I, I'm I'm somewhat concerned by just the sheer amount of guns we have in this sure. country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're like me or Italian guy. You grew up in the same sort of Italian-style household. Did you have guns around you growing up? As no. You, were, no? Y- you know, my grandfather did. He was a World War II veteran, yeah. um, and he had a giant pistol. It was like a like one of those dirty hairy 44 magnums yes i mean i was like four or five at the time and the thing looked like a cannon to me yeah Yeah. um but my father's a chemist Mm. my mother was a homemaker so we didn't grow up around guns uh not to say that you know anyone was anti-gun in my house just wasn't it wasn't a topic but yeah i mean you know the problem that i think that this i mean everybody points to mental illness right and that's that's an that's a but what are we going to do about it Mm. i mean you actually have to put resources to it and I, i just simply i mean just to be candid I cannot understand why anybody needs to pull a trigger to hunt that spits out more than oh, one bullet at a time. I, I genuinely, I've never hunted. I don't know, uh, but I can tell you right now, I, I will certainly judge you. I, I have no oh, problem dude, judging you yeah, yeah. for if you can't hunt whatever you're hunting with a single bullet oh, yeah. gun, you shouldn't be hunting. I've said on the show many times, and, I, and I've gotten flagged for this, because there are very adamant, like, NRA sure. gun folks who don't want their stuff taken away. And I'm not saying take away people's guns. You're right. But if you're looking at an AR-15, or even, like, even shit, like a handgun, right? Yeah. What's the purpose of those? It's, you don't go hunting with an AR-15. I mean, maybe you do. You probably don't need to. Yeah. Even a handgun, you don't go hunting with a handgun. Like, it shouldn't be as easy as it is to get a gun. That's right? the problem. That's the That's concern. the issue, yeah. right? And, you know, look, you could tick a box... And I watched this show on Netflix called Ozark with Jason yeah. Bateman. Have you yeah, seen yeah. it? I'm familiar with that show. It's a really, show. really good show. Yeah. Um, and the little boy loved guns, and he sent in his uh, his disabled friend who yeah. um, he sent him into a Walmart-type store. And if Walmart's listening, too bad. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he sent his friend in, and there was a tick box on it, and it said, are you buying this gun for someone else? And that's a genuine box on a gun application. And the, the little boy clicked yes. Uh, or he uh, checked yes. And the guy, the guy behind the uh, shop said, uh, no, I think you made a mistake here. You should check the other one. And he genuinely, you know, talked him into it. So it's just really easy and really accessible yeah. to get guns, you know. And the argument is, uh, and you'll hear from NRA people and, you know, hardcore conservatives mm-hmm. that um, the Sweden doesn't have a lot of guns, yet the biggest mass murder on the planet was in Sweden sure. with a gun. Right. Per capita... Right, we right, make a different right. argument, right? I mean, you know, I, one guy flips out in Sweden, or, you know, it's every day where we have a gun violent issue. What I think bothers me about it is, this is an issue, uh, guns particularly, uh, that I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer, because even though I don't think you should be able to buy AR-47 or whatever, right. I also don't think you should take people's guns away, right? There's, I agree. There seems, there's got to be a middle ground. This is a very yeah, law-abiding yeah, gun yeah. owners. Yeah. You know, no one, but see, that's the thing, too. It's just, it's these heavy, uh, you know, machinery kind of war guns mm, yeah. that, that are just kind of around. And it's, generally speaking, mm. law-abiding gun owners don't commit crimes with them. I mean, you never know, and this kid mm. in Parkland was a law-abiding gun owner, per sure. se, technically. Technically, yeah. But so more often, right, but more often than not, what you'll get is you'll get a house break-in, yeah. and that gun from a law-abiding gun owner would end up in a criminal's hands, and that's what, more often than not, if you talk to our police chief, who I actually advise you to mm. get in touch with, or I can help you. Sure. I think Mark Williams, uh, yeah. our chief of police, would be wonderful to talk to and sit with you, mm. and he'll tell you, 
um, you know, a, a lot of times it's law-abiding gun owners who have their guns stolen and it ends up in the hands of a criminal. That's why gun locks are so important. Um, but, you know, again, it, it's how do we keep, first of all, these types of guns out of anyone's hands? And secondly, a gun out of the hands of someone who's mentally unstable. But, you know, if you want your guns, I mean, that, that's fine. I don't have any affiliation to them. I'm not scared of guns. I, I believe in, uh, you know, the Second Amendment. I yeah, really sure. do. Um, by the way, I mean, the Second Amendment, as written, was to protect citizenry against the government from overthrowing them. Yeah. Not even from protecting your own home. It yeah. wasn't written, so in case someone breaks in, like, that's what everybody thinks. Right, the Second right, Amendment. Right. I want to protect my home. No, no, no. You're protecting your home from the government overthrowing you, not from a guy breaking in on a Thursday. And you were using a musket. Not right, I know. That's the, that's the thing that's the easiest. You know, they didn't talk about AR-15s. But even beyond that, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, genuinely yeah. meant... For, you know, and the government to overthrow you, because don't forget what right. that amendment was for. It was when England and the United States mm-hmm. was coming together. That was the problem. It was the right. government, not, not you know, intruders. Um, right. And that's but the it, context that we sometimes don't think about when we, like, look, just, we just point at the Second Amendment and say, oh, see, Second Amendment, right? But you yeah. don't, yeah. And that's the thing, too. The Constitution, and I, I'm not to get in the whole Constitution argument, sure. but... Constitution was, we always take these know, conversations off the rails. I love it, Sam. That's why I like coming here. Constitution stuff was always set up under the idea that the, the founding fathers did not realize they could not come up with a constitution for everything in the future. And it yeah. was allowed to have some sort of leeway for people to change it. Right. And yet, It was supposed to be a living document. Yeah, and somehow we are just really against ever touching anything on it. Like we yeah. and I'm not saying we should change everything, but I'm saying we are we don't even we weren't even in debate changing something in the constitution it seems like. Yeah, that's new though, right? Yeah, so if you look at new. history, yeah. you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago, mm. that document was a breathing document. It was a yeah. living breathing document. Now, because I think that this histrionics of everybody saying it's the oldest government in the world mm. and it must be succeeding so that gives people the opportunity to rest their elbow on the shoulder of the constitution and right. say well, look, these guys are all complimenting us for how great our government is. There's five, six governments at a time in Spain, and yeah. you know, so it must be right. So, therefore, we shouldn't change it. I think the exact opposite, because we've been so successful, is the reason why we should take a look to change it. I mean, I'm not saying right. everything, but, you know, mm-hmm. if we didn't change the Constitution, yeah. think of the things <laughs> that would... Women voting rights. Women yeah. wouldn't be able to vote. African Americans would be yeah. one three fifths of a vote. I mean, everything that's in that document that we're actually trying to stand on and be proud of now is because of an amendment, not because of the originality of it. Exactly. You know. Exactly. That's a great so. point, and it's something we don't bring up enough when we talk about yeah, those kind of things. Right. Uh, so, a couple of things I do want to talk to you uh, before we get too far off track. Sure. Points I wanted to bring up. Uh, you've been very, uh, you've been very vocal both on Twitter, Facebook, all over the media sources about the budget, which is due on March twentieth. Uh, is it seven point eight increase? Is what they're implying? Correct. That's yeah. what the, was proposed. The way our government structured is the mayor proposes a budget mm-hmm. to the board of ENA, which is like our ways, ways and means to the finance mm-hmm. uh, separate board, and then that goes to the common council, mm-hmm. the ways and means board, or our ENA. Generally, doesn't look at it at all, which. Um, I think is irresponsible. Sure. I think that they have an, a duty to... They have different obligations mm-hmm. and different ways of change. But anyway, um, the mayor proposed a 7.8. Uh, got in the council's hands about two and a half, three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And now we've been going in and looking at each and every single line with each department and seeing what every dollar means to them sure. and how it can benefit the people. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a daunting task. I mean, you know, one of the, the police chief, again, he said uh, in, in the paper, and he was rightfully quoted he said you know it's it's tough for us as a police department or any department you could yeah. you know insert any department it's tough for us because we get two bites to the apple 
the government gets two bites at our apple. So yeah. we go in with our you know list of demands sure. for how we could best run the operation. Mm-hmm. Then the mayor goes and cuts that. Then when he's done cutting that, then the common council gets it, and then we cut it further. So it's very difficult for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but for Is me and my vocabulary, well, too, though, right? I am. Like, yeah. So that's got to have an extra layer of like the numbers to it. Makes, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a little. You know, first of all, our budget is deplorable to read. I mean, if you're yeah. just a regular, I mean, even me when I was coming in, it was very, very difficult to read. It's not user friendly. It's not really a transparent document that people oh, can yeah. pay attention to. Exactly. Um, for instance, conversely, the county's document, the county can read really easily. <laughs> I don't, you know, if you're a, so it's not like we're very far away from right. having an idea of how to do it. See, I'm a history major, so I'm used to like having to write papers that are almost impossible to read because they have to be like sourced and written in a specific way. Sure, like, right. Why do we write these for people who can't understand them? Right? I know. Like, well, but, they're for academics like yourself, I, so you know. Um, <laughs> but but that that is okay yeah. in the private world, right? When academia when academia gets with academia and you you read like science journals right. and things like that, that's okay that I can't understand it, right? It's not okay when I'm paying taxes and I can't understand exactly. the budget. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my vocality and my the reason that I'm so vocal about it is again, it comes back to the idea that I don't care what I say. I genuinely don't. If I believe it, I'll tell you. If I don't, I, then I'm not who I want to mm-hmm. be representing you. So I tell you what I believe, and what I believe is that budget has more tricks in it than Houdini has up his sleeve. Yeah. It, it is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. That I mean, if you look at the four pillars of the budget that it, it was presented, they are health insurance costs, pension costs, salary costs, and long-term debt. Those four things. Sure. I defy anyone. The reason I, I say that, just kind of, uh, we'll, we'll use a term from a comedian that I just watched. Put a pin in that and yeah. we'll come right back to it. <laughs> those four pillars, if you look at any municipal budget in any city in the country, Perhaps the world, but I haven't really looked at a lot sure, outside yeah. of the country. Right. Those four pillars are the reason every budget goes up. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be a mathematician to understand right. it, which is why inherently that gave me concern. It raised my red flag immediately. When you're saying that we're going to raise taxes and it's those four items, that's a lazy man's approach mm-hmm. to a budget. Because the best quote I've ever heard about a budget is it's not a financial document, it's a political mm-hmm. document. It's a document that shows the political will to do anything or the political will to not do something. Interesting. It's not a financial document. So when I seen that, I just automatically assumed that everything in there was at least accurate, mm-hmm. right? So you're lazy and you don't want to really give the people what they're asking for right. in terms of service. and Because if you tell me, Sam, or if you, my father makes this quote all the time, I will pay 7.8% if you tell me what I'm getting for my 7.8%. Exactly. Okay, I don't mind taxes. Yeah. So that was what I looked at first. And now what you see is you get a 7.8% tax increase, and that's because of, again, take that pin out, health insurance, long-term debt, pension, and uh, payroll. Mm -hmm. Those four things almost do not help any citizen Mm. in the city, right? right? So they do not increase your status in the city by way of our only obligation. Again, it's not, this isn't rocket science. DPW, public safety, infrastructure. That's our job. Right. Make sure you're safe, make sure you're clean, and make sure you don't yeah, you know, works. Yeah. Run, you know, run over a 30-foot pothole. That's yeah. our job as a municipality. Everything else is our job is to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the little tiny bit of Republican in me. Yeah. In that you know, local governments, I think, are too involved. They take too much credit, and I think that they just absolutely overrun the city or their constituency, wherever it is, mm. with 
you know, just news that doesn't help them. Yeah. Right. So that's always been a bone of contention for me, which is why I've been so vocal about in opposition of the current administration. And I, you know, I don't, I, I don't have, I don't mix words. I don't mind saying it. When, when Mike was on here last week, mm-hmm. I could sense a lot of frustration. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't frustration with the council or anybody else. Just he felt in general. Just in general, and I and I, I notice it a lot more when I talk to people. And I wonder if it's just the natural course of the way things are going, where there's a lot of frustration, where it's hard to to understand why someone doesn't see the benefits that you're position you're putting out there or your side of it. And is it? Do you think it has something to do with just the time we're in now? There's like a higher level of frustration in politics at almost all levels. That could be. Yeah. Um, I, I could tell you directly, and I can answer the question mm. directly for me as to why I'm frustrated. Mm. Um, my frustration lies in the idea that the, you know, here's an analogy. The city of Utica is a freight train. Sure. Our conductor is riding the brake. Mm. That's a problem for me. Mm-hmm. Right? I need things to take off the way that they're organically taking off and no one to put a halt to it. Right. That, right. for me... Uh, that could be economic development. It could be senior citizens with a social security increase that they're not getting that we keep charging them. So what happened in this past year and a half, and what is specifically frustrating to me is we keep on talking about how we can't cut our way out of a budgetary problem. I get that. You can't keep on getting rid of expenses. Eventually you're going to hurt service. Fair. We can't keep on raising taxes and not expecting people to ask us where the new revenue is going, right? So is the economy really growing or are you just saying that over and over again and like, you know, like make America great again? Mm. Is that just a term that you're using that the city of Utica is doing great? And look, he's been very effective in saying it because people are starting to... Great's a relative term. (laughs) Right, right. It depends on what you think. (laughs) So while you have this opportunity to be the leader of the city and you have that chance to make a change... And you really are just, I mean, everybody's bunting the ball at you. And you keep on throwing it past first base. Right? So we had an opportunity to go in with the county and increase sales tax revenue sharing. Mm. That's a huge number for us. Sales tax revenue sharing for us is a big deal. And I've probably mentioned it here. I've mentioned it everywhere. We're 24% of the population in the city of Utica. We're getting about 12% of the money. It's not fair. Right. I mean, you don't have to be a mathematician to know that we're getting half (laughs) of what we deserve. Right, So not to say that we deserve 24%, but there should be a number somewhere in between because we're certainly not getting enough. There go. The, I talked to the county executive. I told Tony. I said, I'm going to make us think about it. We're not getting enough. Tony was really easy to listen. He listened to every word I said. He said, okay, we'll come up with something. A year later, uh, fast forward to about a year and a half ago. So this is about three years ago I talked to him, even longer perhaps. Sure. He brought an uh, initiative, and he said, with all due respect, Joe, you're the fourth ward councilman. I can't really sign an agreement with you, so I'm going to go right. talk to somebody who can. Sure. Fair enough. Okay. I understand that. Fair enough. <laughs> kind of shady, all right. As long, no, as long as we know that yeah. here's where I'm going with yeah. it, as long as you go to the right people, sure. go to the right people. I don't need yeah. to sit in on the meetings. I just want you to know, I know that you know that I know, yeah. right? So he went, He great job. He goes in, comes in with an opportunity for the city of Utica to get an extra million dollars a year for three years and find a way to figure out how we can, after that three years, maybe perhaps renegotiate it. In the meantime... Tony Piseni, who happens to be a Republican, who I happen to work very yeah. well with, took very, uh, you know, I took a beating from the other communities in the region because anything Utica gets more, Vernon, Verona, yeah. New Hartford, Whitesboro, they're all getting less, mm-hmm. right? So because of that, um, we're going to have now an opportunity because it came to the mayor's table and he refused to sign it. Yeah. That's a million and a half dollars less than we have in our budget. Yeah. 
That's the tax increase right now, by the yeah. way. Another initiative is the fire department brought up to uh, to the mayor about $500,000 a year, yes. possibly in revenue. Again, the mayor has refused. And I believe it was because of a fire, you know, personality issues and not genuine, absolute. Now, if he said no to Pisenian, I'm not doing this deal. Here's why. Here's my counteroffer. That is negotiations. Right. That's none of my business. So just to say no. Just to say no and walk away from the yeah. table, that means that my neighbors have to pay more because you've yeah. said no. It also means you're not attempting to find some sort of uh, negotiation, middle ground in between. You just said no. Right? You're, just, yeah. you're a no for a no sake because for whatever it is, it wasn't your idea, it was, yeah. you know, whatever it was. Mm. But again, that's my frustration. And what people sometimes tend to do on, on you know, that side mm. is to say, uh, well, it's just Joe being Joe. Mm. Just Joe, you know, probably wants to run for mayor, mm. probably wants to just get it. Look at yeah. I've been accused of running for mayor for six years. No, I was going to say six years. I've heard that for a long right, time. Six years. They've said it every year. Every year. My job, I don't work for the mayor. Mm. If he calls me like he has done, and I've only disagreed with the mayor on probably six or seven issues. There are mm. bigger issues, but I've agreed with 98 others, right? Mm. My job is to challenge the administration mm. and to challenge my colleagues on the council. And their job is to challenge me. If I'm an accountant, mm. then challenge my numbers. If I'm... You know, an ex-fireman or an ex-policeman challenged my public safety stance. Your job is to challenge. Do you ever have a hard time disconnecting from it in public? I always talk about this with uh, with Assemblymember Dissy. You know, he's worked with Claudia Tinney for many years. They know each other going back. And now it seems very contentious. I'm like, is it weird now? Because it didn't probably wasn't always like this. Like, do you find it, is it, do you like see people you work with outside of work and do you ever do anything that's not work related or is it always caught up with like no with the council I mean you know generally we, we'd go out to dinner every night after sure. a meeting even after big blowout arguments in the chambers right I mean we're all pretty f- professional mm. people that's I mean good. if you're holding yeah. a grudge again that's yeah. a personal problem mm. right if somebody said that I'm short and bald <laughs> I'd love it it's not my favorite <laughs> thing Sam to hear but uh, if but I have to delineate and I have to remove myself from being myself because I'm not me when I sit in that room. When I do business on the city's behalf, I'm sure. 12,000 people in East Utica. Yeah. I'm not me. Hmm. So if you want to say that my district is is a bunch of hot garbage, now i got a problem. Right. Then right. we're going to have an issue in and outside of the city. Everything sure. else that I've said, though, if you... If anyone really sits down and reads what I've said and takes mm. a look at what I've said, I've never you know, insulted anybody personally. Yeah. I never said, this guy's not smart, this guy's not. Making poor decisions is my job to tell you when you are. If I made a poor one, and then, look, people have said I made poor decisions, and I, I accept that, mm. and I try to grow from it. But no, we're pretty professional, and uh, mm. you know, look, is it the most comfortable thing? I mean, we high-five, and after uh, you know, an interview that uh, someone gives it, you know, that's anti-me, or it's, uh, I give sure. it's uh, against someone else's... Yeah. Not anti-me, anti-my decision. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, but generally speaking, we'll, we go to dinner a lot and we have, we'll yeah. break bread together. Listen, I, I, as a guy who works with Maiden Utica's Justin Parkinson, I barely like the guy. Barely can get along with him, <laughs> and yet somehow we're working together all the time. It's yeah, you gotta right. get through. It's for the benefit it's of the for community. the greater the good. Greater good. <laughs> the greater good. Uh, so, Joe, I've kept you here a long time already. No problem. I had some other stuff that I wanted to bring up. I guess I'll bring up one particular question. I asked this last week to uh, to Mike when he was here. There's a lot of things on the show in the last couple months we've been talking about that have been issues that have come up over the last couple months. Uh, downtown Hospital, term limits, uh, taxes, Claudia's comments that she made about how all mass shooters turn out to be Democrats. A lot of stuff we've talked about. In your opinion right now, what do you think is the most pressing issue that the city is facing? What's the biggest 
the biggest uh, thing on our plate right now that we should be paying attention to. Family growth. Family growth. Without a doubt. Hmm. I mean, we need young, energetic families moving into the city. Hmm. Um, and that has to do with a partnership between the school district and every other governmental huh. partner. That growth in people hmm. can mask any problem and then turn that mask into a correction. Now, would something like that be more spurred along by maybe the ability to access more affordable housing? Seems like that's something that's a concern sometimes for me when I think about, like, at least with the kids I deal with in my schools, like, you know, like seven or eight kids living in one room. It's tough, and then there's not many options for what you can live in or where you can go when you get here. Sure. Uh, yeah, no, affordable housing, we always, we, we're always concerned with. I mean, yeah. I think that we're doing a pretty decent job with that right now. We're growing in mm-hmm. that department, in sure. other words. Yeah. Uh, MHA, you're familiar with Roosevelt School, which just yeah. leveled last year. Mm-hmm. There's going to be, you know, 10 to 20 new units yeah. uh, that are going up there. There's going to be some... Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, if you're talking about young professionals, I think that we need moderate leveled apartments. Moderate level apartments. That's a great point too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that we're short on that. I think that we have the high up, uh, you know, $2,200, dollars a month. It never makes any sense to me because I have no idea who's paying for those. Right. I'm sure that people are. I just, I don't know any of them. There are, but that's what I mean. You know, I mean, not only do you have doctors and lawyers and people that you want to entice to move here, but you have me. You have waiters and, you know, just, you know, staff workers and people that, you know, are maybe not necessarily not like me in the fact that I have a family, uh, but, you know, young people around my age that perhaps don't. Mm. So we need moderate level apartment uh, housing. But I I will, until the moment I am off this planet, I will always say that single family owner occupied housing. And the only way we'll entice that is with a decent school district and a decent working relationship yeah. between the city and the school district because we are, again, all in the same city. Yeah. We're all pulling from the same pockets here. And, and from the education sector, I know how heck, I know how tense it gets sometimes sure. where, when we start talking about those type of things. In the <laughs> Well, no one likes to give up their little kingdom, oh, right? I mean, everybody's tough. got a, their own little fiefdom. But, um, you know, fortunately, I've been very, very, uh, you know, uh, closely working with uh, Chris... Salatino and mm-hmm. Bruce Karam. They're Bruce very dear friends of mine outside of outside yeah. of that stuff. So I've been, for many years. Yeah, yeah I've been very good. fortunate, you know, for me, myself personally, mm-hmm. which I hope to have that translate to success for the people I represent. Mm-hmm. But um, I think getting a school district together and getting the city to work with the school district and then enticing families to move here, uh, it's not a chicken and the egg scenario mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. I think people bring business, not business bringing people, mm-hmm. which, you know, is a thing that people talk about with Nano. Yeah. You know, I get it. Nano is a is a good opportunity, and I really cannot wait for it to happen. I believe it will. I really do. Mm. But I don't think that bringing Nano will bring families to Utica. I do wonder sometimes at the Nano thing. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I think that because of the way the Nano thing has played out, and a lot of people in the in the public sector feel like, oh, we got screwed with this Nano thing. It's never. A lot of people at this point feel like it's not coming. Sure. I think that the downtown hospital has taken on like an extra level of. Oh, like yeah. uh, I think because of this nano thing and feeling like that's not coming, there's so much impetus on what happens with this hospital now. I think it's affected the way we we talk about it in public. It's that browbeating thing yeah. again, right? We've just been, you know, people yeah. have held carrots in front of Utican's faces yeah. for so long and yanked yeah. them back. Yeah. So um, that's where it gets to be a little contentious because you got people that are so, hey, stop it, we lose everything. Why are you going to make us lose this? Yeah. But you know, again, you got to divorce situations, and I've been pro hospital mm-hmm. from the very beginning. Yeah, right. I refuse to bankrupt the city just to do it, but right. I've always yeah. been in a set. And I understand that some people don't like to hear that from me. Mm-hmm. But again, me being me. I will tell you where I stand. 
I believe that that hospital will genuinely help people that need it the most. Mm. So if you don't have transportation, the easiest way to get to a piece of property that will sufficiently doctor you up Mm. is in downtown. It's just not at the St. Luke's campus, right? Right. It's not in the outskirts because the bus terminal is there, the Medicaid office is right there, and me being a Democrat and, you know, very concerned about people's well-being, I want it to be as close to the people that need it the most. Very good. Right? So... That is that, but you're right. I mean, you know, that nano thing and the hospital thing, they're all kind of intertwined because of it. Yeah, because of that same feeling, like, we're, this is all going to get, this is all just talk, it's all going to get taken away from right. somewhere along the way. Yeah, because we, yeah, you spend 50 years feeling that way, and that's the way it goes. Yeah. Better, um, better woman syndrome, you know? Yeah. It's like being a Buffalo Bills fan. Oh, okay. Sure. <laughs> that's how I always yeah, tell yeah. people. Yeah. I love them so much, they keep letting me down. And for right. some reason, I don't you know why. Going I, I keep going back. I keep going back. I keep going back. I got a couple fun questions for you before you hatch. I know you've been here for a very long time. I don't want to spend your whole day here. Um, so I got a couple fun things for you before we head out. Sure. Uh, first off, uh, this is a question I ask everybody, and I'll leave it to you right now, and then if you don't have an answer, I'll, I'll let you come back to it. If you could sit down and have dinner mm-hmm. with any person, living or dead, who is not your family, mm-hmm. who would it be and why? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you that uh, I'm a nerd and I thought of this question I love before it. many times. <laughs> I actually would really like to sit down with Madame Curie. Really? Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, interesting. I, I thought about it because I love scientists. Yeah, so yeah. what I would do, and I, I ran through every scientist. I ran through Da Vinci. I ran <laughs> through uh, Isaac Newton, I think would be fascinating. Mm. Isaac Newton invented math by the time he was 26, <laughs> literally. He invented algebra. Um, but Madame Curie, to be a physicist and a woman at a time yeah. when no one respected, I mean, who's respected women throughout history, unfortunately. Yeah. But I would just love to see what she did. And frankly... I would love to see how she, because, I mean, you know, are you familiar with uh, Fulton's steamboat? Yeah, a little right. bit, yeah. So his wife actually invented the steam engine, mm-hmm. right? And okay. So, but he got credit because no one would get it. Right, right, right. Madame Curie's husband was actually a physicist, and <laughs> she got credit. I want to know how <laughs> the, she forced her way. That is the strongest person I can imagine. I would like to see this. She did not let anyone give her husband credit, <laughs> and I just think that that's a fascinating uh, kind of uh, a thing. I mean, there's millions of people that I love from history. I appreciate it because when people ask me this question the first time, I had, like, an immediate answer, and when yeah. I ask most people, they get thrown off by it. They don't, I guess. Who would you, do you mind me asking on your Oh, I said, I said Rod Serling because yeah, I, okay. I I appreciated The Twilight Zone growing up. My parents loved it. Sure. But when the more and more I read about Rod Serling and having him be an upstate New York guy and being Jewish and in television in a time when that was not necessarily a thing that was beneficial to him. Right. And being so caught up in uh, the way he wanted his art presented and put on television and the use of film as opposed in a time when people were using television cameras and to make it just... There's all sorts of nuance. I'm, I grew up like being an actor and a musician. What would be your first... See, that's the thing that I always think of. And the thing that stumps me the most is what would be, if you only had one question, what would be your one and only question oh, to the one man. person? You've got to pick one. That's always that's the thing. That's a tough that, one. For him, I feel like it would always be... Why did you feel it was important to... I guess, why did you feel it was important to, uh, to promote your views so so viscerally on television like what was it at that time that made you feel like you had to say these things and had to present these things for yeah. people did you 
Is it a question about where the world was? Is it a question about what he saw in the world? Is it a question about what he thought could be changed? I'm so curious about where this his mind was so sharp. I loved it. Yeah, I used to love those episodes. I loved myself. it. I loved it. I'm, I'm a nerd for stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, give me one. Speaking of which, the Oscars were this were last weekend. Uh, so give me one book, album, movie, or show you are currently reading, listening to, or watching. Uh, I'm I'm currently watching Flint Town on Netflix. Flint Town. Flint Town just came out huh. like on Sunday on Netflix. Uh, Flint's kind of uh, akin to Utica, whereas... Oh, you're talking Flint, Michigan. You're Flint, about. Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. called Flint Town. Huh. Um, it's on Netflix, and it's... it's but the lead of, stuff? Sort of. It's, yeah. it's basically about, a, you know, a town that is trying to get back on its feet, mm. right? And it's yeah. showing how, you know, the the destitution of ripping GM out, and it's, it's really centered around their police department, but, you know, it has a very big overtone about lead. It has a very big overtone about how... See, like in the city of Utica, we're a town of 62,000 people. We have about 134 police officers mm. on our staff. They have 100,000 people with 93 yeah. police officers. It's <laughs> The crime is, you know... So I'm watching that, and I'm reading a book by Neil deGrasse Tyson called... Nice. Um, oh, um, the new one he put out, maybe, right? The short yeah, one? Yeah, Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Yes! Yes, yes on some like Yeah, it's pretty list. neat, yeah. Uh, and last but not least, I just have to ask, since I have you here... Pitchers and catchers have already reported. Mm-hmm. Baseball is coming up. Yeah. Uh, you're a big Yankee fan. Huge. Uh, who's going to hit more home runs this year? Aaron Gary Judd? Sanchez. You think Sanchez? Gary Sanchez. <laughs> don't say Judge and don't say Stanton. It's Gary Sanchez, no hesitation. This is why I will vote for you all the time. my favorite player. <laughs> Sam, Joe, thanks it's so always much, a pleasure buddy. to have you on the I show. Thank it. you. And I'm definitely going to try and have you on again before the elections in November, obviously. So. I'd love to. Yeah, I'd love to come back by. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, Joe. Folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment. Again, Joe Marino, always, always great to have him come over. He's always dressed a lot nicer than I am. When he comes over. He's running around like doing like real business. Like, like, plus, you're at your home. You yeah, it's true. I mean? Like you're at your house, just hanging out. Like you catch him and he's just hanging out. I'm sure he's not wearing like a suit. I'm gonna start telling people to come over, uh, not in like. I'm like, what's the opposite of telling people to come over? Like you can't tell, you can't tell people with leisure wear. wear. You leisure can't wear. leisure wear only, leisure wear. only casual wear. I don't think you can tell people what to wear when they come to your house. No, I don't think so. <laughs> you're inviting people. Hey, come to my home for an interview. Make sure you wear sweatpants. Only sweatpants. <laughs> only casuals and sweatpants. Um, we have a lot of history based around uh, St. Patrick's Day coming up at the end, so I won't I won't front load you guys with a bunch of history this week. Uh, couple is that things. your way of telling us you can do history twice? I know, because I feel like you're going to mm. give us a That's now, what that sounds give like. Give us more later. It's not right. 1894. <laughs> first bottles of Coca Cola were mass produced. There you go. See, Coca Cola is putting out booze. They are? They are. I think it's, mm. uh, it's going to be Japan only to the start oh, for the I release. This isn't the first time they've done it, and I don't really know what their plans are exactly, but I just glancingly saw a headline and read, like, the front load of the article before you click through to the page. I mean, I still have, like, bad memories from when I was a kid and I would drink Jim Beam and Coca-Cola oh, together see. with mm. our GFOP, uh, who I won't mention, but he's a good friend of ours who was one of his favorite drinks, so shout out to that. Oh. And, uh... 
Yeah, like I can't. I don't like the taste of Coca Cola and alcohol together. I thought you were just going no, to pass no, off no, that you don't love a Coca Cola. I love I Coca Cola. No, you'd think that for as much as I enjoy Coca Cola, that I would like like a rum and Coke, but I've, I do not. I'm actually going to say I've never liked Coke as a mixer for no. any kind it's of strong. alcohol. Yeah. I can't drink rum and Coke anymore. I used to drink it so much in college. Was that it your drinking? Me, it was. Really? It was. It's too sweet, I feel like. Even I know, me. that's why I can't have I always it now. Preferred, I always preferred, if I was going to mix drink, uh, ginger ale. If I was going to do, mm. like, Captain Morgan and ginger ale was really good. Like, when oh, I was yeah. younger and getting in and drinking. And even, like, whiskey and ginger ale. Like, a Jameson and ginger is my brother's go-to wedding drink. Nice. Yeah, yeah. When I was really in my younger days of having a drink, uh, <laughs> grapefruit juice and vodka. Yeah, you love grapefruit oh, juice Oh, that actually vodka. sounds really good. Not the way I drank it. Right. <laughs> Not the way I drank it. Oh, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was my drink of choice. Even that, like, now thinking about it, I can feel, like, the back of my mouth being like, bleh. Like, I, 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 really, I can feel it. It's not It's I not great. it's a tough morning the next day. It is a tough morning the next day. Uh, I already, see, I started at the wrong one, too. Uh, moving on, 1820. Maine. Get back to 1820. <laughs> back to 1820. Stop your back laughing. Back in time. Quite the, quite the uh, this was 1820. Uh, Maine became the 23rd state in the Union, the Michael Jordan <laughs> states, 23rd. You ever been to Maine? I would love to go to Maine. Never been. I went last year. I went to Acadia. Yeah, yeah. It was nice. I uh, I didn't give it credit when I went down there to Algonquit. It was very nice. Great seafood. I thought about becoming a lobster person, like living on the <laughs> boats, like and just living the lobster lifestyle. Be all right. It's very romantic when you're on the boat. You're like, yeah, on the sea. Yeah. Then you're like, man, your whole life you're out here like every in, day, every day. In rain, go see those guys' storm. house in the off season and see how much <laughs> yeah. you want to be a lobsterman. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think I just like the term. I've seen him like attempting it. Living like some horrible salty like apartment. <laughs> just salty. I'd be a lobsterman. I don't know why. I've been trying to make your money egg. last for like <laughs> yeah, six months. Just weeping as you see garbage in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, well, I, that's, you shouldn't throw your garbage in the ocean. That's not a nice thing to do to the, your friend Mother Nature. Don't do that. Um, you mind this? <laughs> By the way. <laughs> don't, do, don't do that. It's not nice. Yes. Um, so, um, here's a good one for you. On this day, March 12th, 1903. The New York Highlanders were given the go-ahead to by team owners to join baseball's American League. The Highlanders had recently moved from Baltimore, where they were called the Orioles, and had a winning tradition going back to the 1890s. However, because they were referred to by as Yankees by the fan, the team officially changed their name to the New York Yankees in 1913 and went on to become the most dominant franchise in American sports history, Parkinson. I know you can hear me. <laughs> Which is interesting because it's actually an undisputed fact. <laughs> it is indeed an undisputed fact. We talk about the Yankees a lot. Uh, not, not, nah, we talk about them a lot. A We're Yankees. Why do we talk about other sports? We're obviously Yankee fans, so I won't hit you with all the obvious things. We talk about how great the Yankees are. I thought this was interesting, though. Uh, so the one of the more um, successful periods they had was in the 1950s between 1949 and 1953, where they won the World Series four years in a row. This was about the time that the Yankees started to become what people feel like with the Patriots today, where it was like the eye-roll Yankees. It's like, oh, God, the Yankees again. Damn it, right? So much so that in 1955, the, ap- the, the uh, antipathy inspired a Broadway musical called Damn Yankees, in which a Washington Senators fan sells his soul to the devil so he can slug the Senators to victory over the Yankees and win the pennant. Uh, I think someone I know, did this play in high school. It's like a famous high school mm-hmm. play, Damn Yankees. So... There you go. They were pop culture icons even then. 
27 World Series, 40 American League pennants. Second most is the Cardinals, who have 10. Pfft, whatever. That's it. We'll move on from that. Uh, is that it for... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Seems that way. No. Okay, so this is not a history lesson, but I have a quick rant. Are you ready? Oh, God. All right. So... Uh, on this day in 1968, the U.S. Mint halts the practice of buying and selling gold. I don't know if you knew this, guys. Our money is not backed by gold anymore. It's backed by the fact that it's money and worth something <laughs> or something like that. Uh, so I'm not going to get on the whole rant about that, but here's my rant. I have two classes that I was doing right now for grad school, right? I have an online course, which is a grad-level course, right? And I have a makeup undergraduate course that I've had to take that I didn't do earlier in my career. It's a math course. It's a macroeconomics undergrad course. So graduate level history course, undergraduate macroeconomics course. And I think it's hilarious how much harder I find the undergraduate macroeconomics course. I wrote like a 12-page paper about the city of Tikal last week, uh, and I felt really strong about it. But when I got in an argument with my teacher about how we can have money with no gold behind it, and she tried to explain it to me, and I stared at the wall like an <laughs> idiot, I was like, I don't get the numbers so good. And I just think it's weird. Also, I forget what it's like to be an undergraduate in college. It's kind of crummy. Those kids are the worst. <laughs> it's terrible. It's true. It's true. <laughs> they don't pay attention. They just want to like be on their phone. I'm like that old guy. I, I'm that guy when you went back to college, right? Who's like the old dude in the back of the room who's making up for lost time. So I'm like really into it. I'm like really paying attention. And ask, yeah, I have all my stuff. I got my laptop. I got notebook. I've got everything. I'm ready. I'm that guy. I never thought I'd be that guy, but that's me. You still sit in the back? Because it sounds like that guy sits up front. Yeah, that guy definitely sits up front. I've never sat in the backpack because that's like an obvious like I'm not trying move. I like to sit in the second to last row, right? Like, depend. I don't want to sit in the back, back, but I like to be far enough back where no one's looking at my stuff. True. I like to. <laughs> you see what I mean? I like to sit in front because I'm too tall. I feel like I'm blocking somebody. You are blocking. Yeah, people. you are. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, you I'm say you're, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to the back because I understand what it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. Somebody behind me. We've got notes to take here. When I see a dude in a class and in the back row and he's got his laptop out, I'm like, that dude's watching a basketball game. He is not. He's not doing any work. He's on Facebook. He's on the internet. There's no work being done. Um, so yeah, that was my rant. Undergraduates, macroeconomics, I don't understand any of it. I'm getting too old. I'm that guy. That's that. All right. Heather, I've been waiting to ask you about this. Oh, yeah. Let's go. No, because you are the prominent, like, Alexa supporter. You're the person who I talks am. to their robot and leaves it in their Every house day. and lets it, like, raise their child and feed them for them. What, do you, what else does it do? Does it, like... It feeds my child and babysits it. I don't know food. what it does. It's great. So there's been this thing going around, and I didn't know this was real, so... Apparently, over the last few days, last week or so, Alexa-enabled devices have uh, reportedly been making strange, unprompted laughter just out loud. And I, and it's apparently scaring a lot of people, and no one was sure if it was real. Amazon finally came out and said, yeah, we're aware of this, and we're working to fix it, which is the least... Like, prize, I don't feel. I any... would have wished to, yeah, we're aware of this. You'll know why soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're never, see, they're never going to tell you why. At first, so, you're a person who loves the Alexas. You're a big sporter. Have you ever heard this laugh? Is this a real thing? No, I've never heard it. Have you seen this video of it on the internet? No, it I've is... seen the video. Do you find this unsettling? Yes. <laughs> well, you know what made me realize that, unfortunately, that. 
people can hack into these things, and they probably can. Listen yeah, to they it. can. <laughs> we know they yeah, can listen. They can. But you know what, though, it still doesn't stop me. No, I know it won't. I'm still <laughs> never stop until it's too late. <laughs> what, what do I have that people It'll want? Never right stop now? until Alexa stops you. <laughs> uh, you know, it, <laughs> she stops. <laughs> my dad. My dad you got really Skynet. You put it in your kitchen, the little plant next to it. There actually is a little thing in my kitchen that can do the whole house. I've seen the ones now where they have like the screen on the front, right? That's mm-hmm. the new one now. You can like look at it and it'll, like show you your front door and try oh, people. Yeah. yeah, it's I don't Who's know. Who's out there? Nobody's out there. There's somebody. Somebody's out there. Who's out there? So go see. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I got a couple more. Lock yourself in a room in your house, just talking to your robot and looking at all the cameras outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> I got a couple more internet-based stories here for you. All right, so this is a weird one. Um, did you guys read this last week? The FBI has been paying Best Buy Geek Squad employees uh, as informants and rewarding them for flagging indecent material when people bring their computers in for Good. repair. Is that even legal? That they, well... It's... So that's sort of the question here. Like, what they're doing is questionable although it's one of those sort of like if you have horrible disgusting shit on your computer yeah if you've got like child pornography or some sort of like terrorism that you're doing yeah i feel like it's if geek squad see something that's illegal for you to even possess you know what i mean it's not about reporting like oh this guy's got a bunch of writings on his computer about how he hates the government or whatever if you've got somebody out here and it's like well here's you know images of children and things like that yeah Yeah, yeah. of course immediately Right, but the question that they're uh, raising, this is the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is Digital Civil Liberties Organization. That's a lot of words. Um, they say that it uh, it has goes against the Fourth Amendment and uh, warrantless searches and all those kind of things. Uh, there were records released saying that the uh, the FBI was making $500 payments to Geek Squad employees, uh, and there was a number of investigations in which Geek Squad employees called the FBI field offices in Louisville after finding... I guess that doesn't... Nothing wrong with that, supposedly. Also, though, there's claims that much like the To Catch a Predator thing, a lot of times they're fishing for people. They go fishing for people and suck them in. But it's like, again... If you got the stuff, like... like a hard line on that. Yeah. It's funny that I mean? someone would bring in their laptop and say, can you fix this with all of that damaging... And I feel like I understand the... <laughs> that was stupid. Well, that's know, the like, thing that's there's crazy There's a lot of child pornography in there. Just don't look at but, it. But, like, I understand that. the argument that the Internet Frontier folks are making, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think that these people probably forfeit that, right? You brought, like you said, you brought your computer in. Right, yeah, So yeah, if you yeah. bring your computer into me, and I'm some dude who works for... And let's get a straight geek squad. I'm some dude who just works at Best Buy. Hmm. Like, it's not like, you know, it's some hackers from MIT. Right. I'm some guy, and you bring in your computer, and right there where I can see it, you've got these files and these images, you know what I mean? It's a thing, like, yeah, I guess maybe you shouldn't look through the images, but if you've got, like, these different files and it looks weird, I'm trying to fix your computer, I see it, what am I supposed to do, give it back to you and pretend that there aren't children being exploited? That's, right, right, right. I mean, that's, I, mean I agree that we should definitely do that, but then it comes to what if there's other information on your computer that isn't like that, that's your credit card number or things like that, so you're saying people are allowed to go in there and look at all that stuff and take that information because they left it on their computer. It gets I'm just saying, like, the moral I... gray ground of the <laughs> digital world. Yes. Yeah. And well, I mean, it's very I, gray. I think that's the argument. I think when you turn it over to somebody, I think that you should give up any expectation that anything on that machine will be left private. So if you're going to hand in your machine, do a thing like that, you have to kind of expect, like, human nature. And, you know, if something happens, somebody were to steal, like, a credit card information, something like that, then certainly Best Buy would be on the hook and be liable. And it's right. something where, you know, you find... A crime in the middle of being perpetrated because that's interesting to think about a crime like that is it's not like you know we did this crime of like you know having this child pornography it's in perpetuity so it's like an ongoing yeah. crime that's still going 
got to call the authorities. Yeah, for sure. It's a bad look for them to be cutting checks. Yeah, not a great option. Maybe like send some, some send some pizzas. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the pizza. Uh, Good so job, guys. I really like the end line of this. Uh, the FBI will not comment on the matter, citing ongoing litigation. Uh, the FBI does not provide any information in the dealings with informants for obvious reasons, quote unquote. Well, <laughs> doy, no doy. Um, the last one is uh, it's just something I've noticed, and I've seen a lot of people talking about it. Uh, are you you're a Snapchat person at all? No, no, no. any of you guys? I tried it. I can't get into it either. It's a little bit... Well, it's just an outlier to the story in general. Uh, Snapchat got a lot of flack uh, about two weeks ago for doing a major redesign that people seemed very annoyed with. But one of the major things that people were really frustrated with was they changed the algorithm, right? And a lot of it is basically going away from what we used to refer to as the chronological internet, Mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, And I I think about this all the time with, like, Utica stuff and, and Made in Utica stuff. Instagram is the one that sticks out the most to me. I used to know, like, when the prime times to go on Instagram were and mm-hmm. post content. Mm-hmm. And now it seems like that decision is sort of taking out, taken out of the hands of, like, the independent content creator. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the chronological internet? Do you think it's a problem? Does it bother you at all when you go on Twitter and it's not in order? It does. It bothers me more because, especially when they're showing old, old news stories... I'm like, oh, wait, there's a snowstorm coming. Oh, three days ago. <laughs> you know, like, you're just little things like that. Or um, or I'll see the same post. I'll see posts from, like, four days ago, three days ago, six yeah. days ago from the same five people. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't care about these people. I I'm, would say that it's probably pushed me away from a lot of yeah. them, actually. You know, I always wonder, you know, because I used to be on Twitter all the time. I used to I still look at Instagram pretty often, but I used to use that in Facebook more, and that really is something, you know, now that I think about it, that's pushed me away because, like, you know, if I follow 500 people and I get on Twitter today, I want to see what all of those people said in the last day, not yeah. what these seven people you think I like the most have said for the last week. You know what I mean? And same thing with, like, Instagram. Every time I open it up, it's pictures from the same four or five yeah. people and to they're, start. They're basically making personal accounts have to work just as hard as a business account to have your stuff seen now. They want you to write yeah. relevant stuff. They want it if you're getting comments, they'll show it to people. So you usually mm-hmm. have to work hard and, like, work for your... You can't just post anything now and... Seen. That's the thing. Like Facebook goes out and they're claiming that like they they know what you like like and don't like, and so they yeah. sort of have they build this fine tuned algorithm based on what you like and don't like, but they don't give you the option to actually do it right. Mm-mm. Like I click on stuff that I wouldn't, that I'm not necessarily going to post because I want to see what people are posting. Right? Doesn't mean I want you to show me every single article that like a person posts. Yeah, I'd like to have the. I think they should make it a bit more clear how to do that for somebody, too, if they don't want to do it, right? It's not super user-friendly for somebody who's not internet-savvy, right? So, I don't know. I, it, it drives me nuts. Instagram is the first thing I think of. Like I've, It's not the only reason I don't post on Instagram. The other reason is I'm bad at the internet. But, you know, it definitely... It used to be a lot cooler. It was. We did used to be a lot cooler. Oh, well, the internet did? I think it said me. I was like, no, oh, no. We were no. talking about you. Uh, I meant, like, Instagram in general, but, I, yeah... I feel like Instagram's still pretty relevant. Certainly. Yeah. But just not so, much, right not so much to me. You know what I mean? Like no, you're right. This, right. the taking away the chronological content like that has made me just push away from it. I just don't really use any of it as much yeah. anymore, and that's a big part of the reason, I feel like. All right, you guys ready for a new segment? A new segment, huh? It's only that's only segments in name. They're all the same kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> I thought we were going to do a whole... I thought you had a whole thing ready to go. Well, no, I have a, a segment that's called the Doomsday Report. These are three stories that make me shake my head and wish for Doomsday to just, just happen already. Okay? Uh, first one, number one, 
Have you seen this product? It is a shower curtain with pockets for your phone and tablets so you can stay connected while you're in the shower. There's a picture of it. You want to see it? No, I don't. Look at that internet. Why? I... It just seems like you're... Are you... Are we need to be that connected all the time? Are you asking to break all your stuff? I don't trust that this plastic sheet you gave me for my internet device is going to keep the water out, number one. I have no business with my phone in the shower. (laughs) I don't understand. No business. (laughs) You can't disconnect for five minutes. Put it on the table. Leave it. It doesn't make any... And I'm sure that someone will make a billion dollars because of this, right? Like, this will be, like, the hot device of the year. He's got a name. Well, I do bring my phone in the bathroom because I turn on the baby monitor part. That so makes sense. You can hear the child. That's one thing. <laughs> but I just don't understand why I need the tablet and my phone all, like, connected on there. And It can be in the bathroom. Like, I'll tend to set it on, like, a shelf or yeah. on the edge of the sink or something like but that. But I'm not, but like... I don't need it. Like, ooh, let me catch up on my highlights in the... Well, they can't do it in five more minutes. It's called the screen holder. Here's the blurb. Watch, play with, or listen to your phone or tablet in the shower. 100% waterproof. Even use your camera. Fall deep, deeply, and darkly into the black hole that is American life in 2018. Even use the camera while you're in the shower. Even use your camera while in the shower. (laughs) Different height levels for everyone from tall adults to children. This is a real blurb for a product. So we can talk about what they're actually selling here. But um, I feel, how are you supposed to like play Candy Crush in the shower? Like, aren't you using your hands to wash your body? Yeah. Well, he's standing in the water, staring at the middle distance. These people must have nicer showers than I do. <laughs> showers nice. I would not want my shower in. All right, so that's number one. Report number one of the Doomsday Report. Number two. Oh God. Um, Fred Durst, best known as the frontman of Limp Bizkit has kicked off his principal photography for his directorial effort, Moose, which is a movie about a movie lover who turns into a crazy stalker, starring uh, fallen star John Travolta. That's right. Scientologist. Scientologist John Travolta. This movie will be premiering directly on the Scientology TV network. That's what I'm talking about. Um, From what I understand, this is uh, Fred Durst's third movie he's directed, and he's all right, is what they say. I read that somewhere. Uh, it's okay. okay. Go to something, then. It's be... <laughs> He's rolling, rolling, rolling along with his career. And I'll, I'll ask you this question. Uh, if you had to have dinner with one of these two people, spend two and a half hours, whole meal, dessert, uh, coffee afterwards, who are you sitting down with? Travolta or Fred Durst? Fred Durst. Travolta. Wow! I love Travolta. it. Why Travolta? Because he's done so many cool movies and stuff. I don't want to talk to him about it. Yes, those. Broken Arrow. Look who's talking to. One of my favorite <laughs> films of all time. Uh, what was that one? Phenomenon. Phenomenon. It's a good one. Uh, Kev, why Durst? Uh, I would much rather talk about bands and shows than actors and movies <laughs> with somebody who's been there. And Fred Durst wouldn't try to pay me for a massage after dinner like John Travolta would. I would uh, like so. Well, you're a girl, so you're all right because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't like the girls. He ain't gonna touch you because you ain't got the pots he likes. That's so terrible, Travolta. Was that, your Travolta that was a voice? horrendous Travolta. That was really bad. Don't ever do that. Who is the other one? Durst. I can't do. I know you'll be loving this. No, it's right. No, okay, no, no, no more. Absolutely all right. not. All right. So that's uh, Doomsday Report number two. Doomsday Report number three, and I just brought it up because I saw Heather talking about it today. It's taking the internet by storm. Toys R Us. It's all over. There will be no more 
Toys R Us kids after. I'm going tonight. You gonna go tonight? Early? Are you going? It's selling out everything. I'm gonna get. Is it really closing? It's not closing tonight. Tonight. It's closing in five days. I don't know if it goes tonight. Wait, really? Five days? I made that up. Oh wow! I was gonna say that's wild. I've been reading that they're all closing quickly though. They're like planning to shut it down fast. So you gotta get up there. I have to go get cast some stuff. You can, yeah. If it's like fifty percent off. So there's a lot of interesting implications about this outside of just like this nostalgic toy store of us growing up like is gone, right? And a lot of kids probably won't have that same kind of experience of going to the toy store in the way that we like mm-hmm. used to, right? Even with I say it like all nostalgic, like our parents probably like, look at this stupid big budget toy store. Where are the young toys? Where are the little lawyer. There's the uh, toys made out of wood. <laughs> what are wood toys, right? Um but the other there's so there's a couple obvious ones like companies like Hasbro and Mattel saw like their shares drop um, last couple days because of this, but one of them that was interesting was commercial real estate because Toys R Us owns about 800, 800 like yeah. big lot stores around the country. It's a lot of empty strip malls. Yeah, it's really it, think about it. Think about where they are up here across from the new uh, Texas Roadhouse yeah. up yeah. there with the Core Life as well. I think is in that plaza. Mm-hmm. I feel like they. It's a big it, building. It seems like they made money. Like, I guess obviously not enough they money. Did. They, they just did. They just don't anymore. They just didn't. <laughs> <laughs> were they not making any money, like, in the last... Well, like, they brought somebody in to help clean up everything. And then afterwards, they still were, like, owing out a lot of money. I guess they owed out a lot. They are still making money, but owing money. Right, it was all getting... Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, just so. the... It's, it's kind of... It's the natural life cycle we're seeing pop up with all sorts of stuff where it just eventually gets too big and then well, bloats and it can't really support anymore. The only thing nice about Toys R Us was their prices were really high, so you knew you could get the same toys cheaper somewhere else. Right. Now what's going to happen is everybody's going to raise their prices, and there isn't going to be cheaper places to get toys. I know, I'm sorry, but this... I would see a toy at Toys R Us, and I could get it at Walmart for like $5 cheaper, sometimes 10 That's a great point. You know, so now Walmart and all these companies are going to jack their prices up, and toys are going to be ridiculous. All these <laughs> Toys R Us stores are just going to turn into Amazon stores? They're all just going to be like this, like Amazon the store. I'll turn them into something. Yeah. A lot of real estate. All right. That was it. That's the end of the Doomsday Report. Do you guys are you guys ready for the world to end now? No. No? I'm still ready to go try to see what toys we can get 50% off and sell them on eBay. That's a great point. That's a phenomenal <laughs> point. Uh, this weekend, guys, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, I pulled up some interesting history about St. Patrick's Day. Kev, a lot of this is about your Irish heritage. If you're very proud about this weekend. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Let me question. I'm going to ask you this quick before I even get to this. What are your thoughts about the wearing green thing? Yeah, great. Do you wear green? I'll probably find something green. Are you going to wear like a bright green shirt that says Kiss Me, I'm Irish? Are you going to wear like a no. subtle green shirt? No. I, it's, I mean, the choice is up to the individual. You know, you're not going to see me dress like a cartoon character in a bright green t-shirt from Party City. No. Okay. There's yeah, plenty of them running around on the very street. There'll be plenty. <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, okay, so let's start with the way, way back. St. Patrick, who lived during the 5th century, is the patron saint and national apostle of Ireland... Born in Roman Britain, he was kidnapped and brought to Ireland as a slave at the age of 16. Later escaped, but returned to Ireland and was credited with bringing Christianity to its people. Perhaps the most well-known legend about him is that he explained the Holy Trinity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit using the three leaves of the native Irish clover, the shamrock. So there you go. Uh, There are more than 100 St. Patrick's Day parades held across the United States. Uh, since around the 9th to 10th century, people in Ireland have been observing the Roman Catholic feast day of St. Patrick's Day on March 17th. Um, however, the first parade was not held in Ireland, but in the United States, where Irish soldiers serving in the English military marched through New York City. So there you go. 
You ever go to like a big time St. Patrick's Day parade anywhere outside of like the Utica ones? I haven't been to New York City. In Is it cool? Sophomore year. I don't really remember. I was very <laughs> yeah, Sure. Sure. <laughs> but it was fun, what I can remember, I guess. <laughs> well, it, you, it's, I'm great, it's great you bring that up. That's a great segue. That is still the largest uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, parade in the world. Uh, that goes back to 1848, uh, when several of New York's larger Irish aid societies uh, decided to unite their parades, because they all had separate parades for many years, to form the one official New York City St. Patrick's Day parade. Uh, usually has about 150,000 participants uh, every year. Like That's from today going forward. Uh, let's see here. 1948. That was the year it became sort of validated because President Harry H. Truman attended the New York City St. Patrick's Day Parade, uh, which is, you know, again, for many Irish at the time who had to fight stereotypes and racial prejudice, this was like the first acceptance of them in the United States by the government and all that kind of thing. So there you go. Um, is that it? Is that all I have? Oh, yeah, last one. Last one. There's more. Do you know that in Chicago... Uh, they dye the Chicago River green. They do indeed. They do? <laughs> yeah. Started in 1962 when city pollution control workers used dyes to trace illegal sewage discharges and realized that the green dye provided a unique way to celebrate the holiday. They released 100 pounds of the green vegetable dye into the river, enough to keep it green for a week. Today they uh, want to minimize environmental damage because it sounds like it's terrible for the environment. Maybe you shouldn't do it. So they only do forty pounds a day. <laughs> oh, so there you go. Um, and this is this is kind of cool. So in modern day Ireland, uh, St. Patrick's Day is normally a religious holiday, and up until the nineteen seventies, Irish laws mandated that pubs were closed on St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. And it wasn't until nineteen ninety five the Irish government decided they needed to get that sweet, sweet holiday revenue, and they used the national campaign to invest in St. Patrick's Day and drive tourism. Uh, about a one, million year, uh, one million people annually take part in Ireland's St. Patrick's Day Festival in Dublin now. It's one of the largest multi-day celebrations uh, in the world. There you go. That's all the Irish facts I have. You feel proud of your Irish heritage now, Kevin? Always. Always. I don't need St. Patrick's Day to feel proud of it. I feel proud during the 65 days a year. It served me pretty well. Cool to have. I'm jealous that the Italians don't have like a a day that we get as gassed up for. We don't get a like, for like Columbus Day the way that you guys do for Polish people get one. We get what? Dingus Day. What was it? Dingus Day. Dingus Day? <laughs> it's not real. You made it that is. up. It happens in, uh, Buff- it happens in Buffalo. Who's Dingus? It's just like St. Patrick's Day. St. Dingus. St. <laughs> Dingus? <laughs> they call it Dingus I don't know, Day. I it's say... real. Our family goes there. Patron oh, saint of Polish scholars and philosophers, Dingus. Um... <laughs> Mr. Dingus. <laughs> Look at how it's real. Don't you guys, don't the Italians have... It's on Facebook. St. Christopher? Is it St. Christopher? St. Joseph? St. Anthony? I got all of them. What's the one that you guys wear the red for? That's St. Christopher. Yeah. Hey, no one cares about that one. Nobody cares about I thought, no. Wait, no. St. Christopher is the one who used to be the patron saint of travel, so people would have the St. Christopher's medals in their car, and then they revoked his sainthood, so everyone had to get rid of their St. Christopher's medal. Uh, I think they it's St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's, <laughs> Joseph's is the red. Is the red. They pulled St. Christopher. They pulled St. Chris. He when pulled did him. that happen? It's not that long ago, like the last 20, 30 years, I feel like. Interesting. Yeah, they pulled him. Lost his sainthood. Everyone get those medals out of your car. They're useless anyway. Uh, see, Joe Marino's mad at me now, probably for saying that. He probably loves St. Christopher's medals. He's he probably wasn't mad till you said it. He probably wasn't. All right, uh, folks, that was it, episode 142. Uh, thank you to Joe Marino. Uh, thank you to Heather for being here, as always. Thank you to Kevin You're for welcome. 
living here in the studio and me here. <laughs> I live right in this room, folks. So if you want to come to a podcast, come on anytime when I'm doing this show. I'm in here. Anytime. Oh, March Madness, March 15th. Go to the Uticast Tournament 2018. Go to Twitter, Facebook. Join our March Madness Tournament. I'll give you my pick. I'm going with Purdue. The Boilermakers, because of the connection, you see? Purdue Boilermakers. If you're going to go with the Boilermakers, you have to run the 15K. Yeah, makes sense. The Boilermakers. It's going to be the one. Follow us on Twitter, folks, at Uticast. Uh, follow the show at MadeInUtica.com, Uticast.com. We're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, taking over the web. Happy Rusev Day. Uh, sayonara, humanoids. Woodstock lives. Keep it tight. And we're done. Happy St. Patrick's Day, folks. Yeah. Just lighting Stitcher on fire. Bye bye.